Happy New Year. I really hope you have a wonderful year. And um, I also wonder what habits you're planning on starting the year with. Yeah, habits. It's amazing. You can actually narrow your life down to a day. Like, what are the habits you put in a day? Your day, your life is just many days. And if you just get some habits going in a day, that more or less is what your life amounts to. And uh, I know that we're all into eating habits and sleeping habits and exercise habits and those kind of habits, spiritual habits. Which of those are you putting into your life? I just want to drop that in your mind. What spiritual habits are you going to put in your life? I mean, some of the tried and tested ones is starting your day in scripture, yeah? Before you open your, your phone or the news or emails or social media, start your day in scripture. Read some scripture, reflect on scripture. There's the Bible app, which just helps people on all these kinds of journeys to so start some scripture. And then to be praying throughout the day. And of course, we forget to pray throughout the day. So what you need to do is you need to pause. You take these one or two minute pauses throughout your day. These Jesus pauses where you just stop what you're doing. Everybody else just keeps moving, not you. You've stopped and you're praying. You're like puncturing a hole in your day. You're letting the glory of God come into your day. So there's two good habits for you to start. Um, I was saying to my family, tomorrow morning we're waking up and we're trying to figure out the right time before school. We're gonna read some scripture together, discuss it and pray together. But what habits are you gonna put into your day? Anyway, my message is not about habits. I just thought right at the beginning of the year, somebody's gotta say it. I want to do a message that is interesting. I want to answer the question, what kind of church is Signal? What kind of church is Signal? And um, the reason that I'm doing this message now, because I'm kind of wearing a teacher's hat and a leader's hat. I lead the team that leads the church. I just thought there's so many people that are here that are new to church. Good for you to find out where the bus is going. You don't climb on those red buses unless you know where it's taking you. So where's the bus going? And... Um, so that's why I want to do this message. At the end of last year in November, I actually tried to cast a vision. It was the first time in two years I've ever done a vision message where I wore a leader's hat. So this is the second time I've ever worn a leader's hat in, in Signal Church. And I shared four things that God had dropped into a, a prayer meeting where we were praying together, the wider leaders of Signal. People who lead different ministries, lead the, the leadership team, we're praying, and, and, and these four ideas came to us. It was make it all about Jesus, facilitate revival, plant nightclubs, which is our name for small groups, and prepare for influx. So, and I preached those four points. And then as I was thinking what to speak on, now I kept remembering those four points. I thought, I can't preach those same four points again, but they were there. So I did a lot of thinking and praying. We didn't have three Sunday meetings, which meant that my brain was in a hyper-relaxed mode. We also got to go to water a lot as a family, waterfalls and rivers and seas, which is my element. And I just kept on feeling God speak to me. And I was asking myself the question, what kind of church is Signal? What kind of church would I wanna be part of? Because when you're in the leadership team, you actually get to help shape the church. And what kind of church is God calling us to be? I still remember the particular day where I saw in my mind's eye, I was just like boiling it down to the essence, these four concentric circles, which is what those concentric circles are. And it just came to me with such clarity that we're a Jesus church, that we're a spirit church, that we're a community church, 
and that we're a missional church. We're a, a Jesus church, we're a spirit church, we're a community church, and we're a missional church. And as I was preparing, I thought, that's what I want to speak on. Then I had this amazing aha experience because I remembered the four points that I spoke on in November, and they're more or less the same thing. We're a Jesus church, which is the point about make it all about Jesus. We're a spirit church, which is the point about facilitate revival. We're a community church, which is about planting nightclubs. And we're a missional church, preparing for influx. We're actually reaching out. So it's like this like amazing, like, whoa, whoosh, just came clear. So, um, so many churches in the world, and they're all gorgeous and amazing, and we need every church in the city of Cape Town. In this road, there's four or five churches, and we need all of them. But um, the same way that our five children are different from each other, it's good to know what makes one church different from another church. What, uh, what's God's original genius for this particular community? And I want to propose that Signal Church the kind of church we are is a Jesus church, a spirit church, a community church, and a missional church. So I want to unpack Acts chapter 2, which is the birth of the early church in the city of Jerusalem. And I'm going to shift the information around in Acts chapter 2 a little to make my four points. Number one, we're a Jesus church. So what happens? Jesus has got these disciples. He goes to heaven. He tells them, wait in Jerusalem till the spirit comes down upon you. The spirit falls upon them in power. They then go out into the streets, a crowd gathers around them, and Peter stands up, it says he stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowds, fellow Israelites, listen to this. What's he going to say? What's the next word that's going to come out of his mouth? There it is, Jesus, and that is the message of the church. The church was born with the message of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. We started watching The Chosen again. If you found The Chosen on Netflix, they got the first season, and then you can get Chosen elsewhere. I re really recommend it. Um, I mean, it's quite fascinating. It's looking at Jesus through the lens of the different characters in the Gospels. Obviously, there's a lot of imaginative work. I can't vouch that it happened that way. But just watching that first one where Jesus delivers Mary Magdalene from demonic powers. Man, I was flipping crying watching this. Jesus touched broken lives, broken bodies, broken minds, and he healed them. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, he's speaking to the Jewish crew in Jerusalem, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. They were the ones who shouted, crucify him, crucify him. But God raised him from the dead. There was a day in history where this miracle working man called Jesus came out of the grave. It's the only explanation for the presence of the church and the explosion of the church into the ancient world to this present day. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. Peter's got the power of God on him. He is saying it like it is. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus is Israel's Messiah. The Old Testament promises the coming of the Messiah. Jesus is him. 
And not only is he Israel's Messiah, he's the world's Lord. I mean, it was totally provocative because everybody knew who the Lord was in the Roman Empire. It was Caesar is Lord. Those are the words on everybody's mouth. Caesar is Lord. You had to say those words. And then in this little corner in the, of the Mediterranean world, the Palestinian little section there, this group of people start saying something shocking. Not Caesar. Jesus is Lord. It's amazing how um, Caesar is no longer Lord. The Roman Empire has dwindled away. But this community of people declaring Jesus is Lord grows stronger by the day. We're a Jesus church. Uh, right now I'm wearing glasses. And in my retina, there's a kind of a dense pit of, of um, optic nerves that are my foveal vision. They're my focal vision. You, you got it too. We can see clearly and focus. We can concentrate on the middle. And then there's the peripheral vision where things are hazy and you especially are ready to pick up movement and shading, but focal vision. And I've been thinking a lot about uh, what so easily happens in the Christian life. Now, if you're a brand new Christian, I wish I was you. I wish I could see it all for the first time, but I'm now a long time in. Okay, the decades are adding up. Now, look back at these decades, and there are big chunks of my Christ-following life where Jesus is not my foveal focal vision. I am focused on other things. We're focused on other things that are fascinating, things that relate to Jesus, things that come as an outcome of Jesus, but they're not Jesus. I got it in my head. What would happen if we as a community just get Jesus in our foveal vision, our focal vision? The beginning of last year, um, I did three weeks. I preached three times at the front of the year, and I felt God say to me, remember Jesus. And I knew I only had three Sundays to preach on Jesus. And I looked at all the content in the scriptures on Jesus, and I didn't know what to do. So I just picked out three things. And then we got into Abraham, which was so fantastic. And we got into identity in Christ. But I've been thinking, remember Jesus. Sometimes it feels like you do a three-week teaching on Jesus. It feels like you go to Simon Sound Scratch Patch. And you say to your kids, choose three. <laughs> Poor kids. True story, I remember taking our children to a scratch patch. And they had this little pack that they could take. The smallest pack, we used the ones we could afford. And as uh, we walked out climbed in the car, and one of our children, lo and behold, had packed his tackies with stones. <laughs> he needed more of these precious stones. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do in 2024. Almost every Sunday, we will do other things. Almost every Sunday, we're going to preach about Jesus. We're going to just give you the biggest bag I'm going to go to the scratch patch. You can take so many of these bright, pearly stones home. Jesus Christ, he's going to be our focus in 2024. Probably going to be our focus in 2025. Probably going to be our focus in 2026. I haven't told the leadership team because I've had three weeks to think about stuff that I'd love to preach on about Jesus or that we should preach on. I, I, you know, you've got three weeks, you can let your mind go. So I started a list. Well, what are the most important things we can focus in on about Jesus? The, if you answer the question, what's so amazing about Jesus? You start making a list. I got to 101 things. 
Jesus is, Julie said, Jesus, I called you Jesus. You're so close. She tells me what to do, he tells me what to do. There is my life simplified. Um, she said, maybe you should call the series Jesus 101. <laughs> so many awesome things. So we are gonna make Jesus our focal vision, our foveal vision. I remember um, bumping into someone at a, a coffee shop, a friend of mine who leads a church, and he was talking with this couple. And uh, I said, hi, and they got chatting to me, and they were, they were clearly Christians. And then out of like just what to ask them next, I asked them what church they go to. And this guy, had, no, he had stopped going to church. So I thought, oh, sad when Christians don't go to churches. Naughty, naughty for Christians not to go to church. But he, he basically told me that he is so frustrated with churches because he go, he's been in churches for years and they preach on anything but Jesus in his mind. And he said, you know, if he could just find a church where they preached on Jesus Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, he said, watch what would happen to that church. Watch the growth that would happen in people's lives. Watch how many lives would be changed. And I walked away and that guy messed with my head because that stuck with me. I almost think about Signal doing an experiment. What would happen if we just focus in on Jesus Christ for a long time and pack our shoes and our pockets and our handbags and our hats with stones, Jesus stones? What would happen? What would Signal become? I love this little line in John 12 verse 21. Uh, there's some... It says some Greeks come looking and they hear about Jesus, but they haven't got to Jesus. And they find Philip, who's friends with Jesus, and they say to Philip, we would like to see Jesus. And I suppose that does make sense. If you want to know Jesus, you find the friends of Jesus and say, you seem to know him. Can you introduce us to him? What if Signal's gift to the city of Cape Town is to introduce our city to Jesus? What if... Um, Let's say in three years' time, God calls you, now you go, to, you go to Dubai, you go to Australia, you go, you go to India, like Andre's about to go to India. You, you go, and then you think, yo, so I was in that church for a couple of years. What do I take with me from that church? My prayer is that every one of us have the same answer. In that church, I got to know Jesus so well. That's our prayer, that you would know Jesus better and better, that you'd be swept off your feet by him. So starting next week, we're heading out in our Jesus adventure and I wanna encourage you to come every time because we're handing out precious stones every Sunday and we're gonna have very little duplicate content just so you know. So if you miss one, like I said to my kids, you missed out. So we're a Jesus church, number one. Number two, we're a spirit church. We're a spirit church, Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, Peter explains. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I'm very interested in 
culture and what my non-Christian friends are up to. A few uh, years ago, like 10, 15 years ago, I thought, oh my goodness, everybody's just going to become an atheist. New atheism was, like atheism was making a comeback. There's very cool books, you got exclusive bookshops, and you get the, you know, the God delusion. And it just seemed like the trendy thing to do to abandon any belief in spirit. Fools believe in spirit. And uh, as the years have gone on, I've noticed that kind of new atheism has lost some of its appeal. It's like it's got a limited number. <laughs> what has made a comeback is, um, maybe it's the wrong word, paganism, sheer spiritualism. And, and I'll tell you where I, where I picked this up is the interest in psychedelics. So renewed interest, in, people are interested in psychedelics. It's like, it's like becoming mainstream. It's, it's a new experiment. And I've read the most remarkable statistic that if four atheists take psychedelics, three out of four of them are no longer atheists. They come out of that psychedelic experience and they go, I was wrong, there is a spirit realm. There is a spirit realm. But here's the thing that I know and you might know, these are counterfeit spiritual experiences. The true spirit is the Holy Spirit from God. The Holy Spirit that is unleashed on the day of Pentecost. And um, I'm so excited about being a church where uh, we take the right psychedelics, Holy Spirit ones, spirit experiences of Holy Spirits. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to compare the Holy Spirit with drugs. So, came out clumsily. Don't push my analogy too far. What they have in common is they bring you into an experience. And, and think about some of the metaphors that come out on the day of Pentecost. Like a blowing of violent wind. The, the, the experience of the spirit feels like wind. There's movement. There is energy. The spirit-filled life is the life of learning to lift your, hoist your sails and catch that wind. To be filled with the spirit is like having your sails filled with the wind. Uh, the other metaphor here is that the spirit is like fire. The, the picture here is this kind of ball of fire materializes or spiritualizes in the room and then breaks up and comes and rests on every head. And the picture here is powerful. It doesn't just come onto Peter's head or onto the apostle's head. Everyone in the room has the fire upon them. Everyone is enabled by the Spirit to prophesy, to speak in other tongues. But that picture of the Spirit is fire, cleansing fire, energizing fire, warming fire. Again, this is a radical experiential metaphor. And then the third one is the spirit is poured out. Here you got the, the idea of, a, of water flowing, of rain falling. And um, my prayer for Signal, and, and honestly what I got from Signal, because I only joined Signal two years ago. Um, is it right, two and a half years ago? I'm getting confused. Um, I found a group of people who just loved the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I've always loved the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. But here was a group of people that had the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit as the driving commitment, the number one priority of our time together. Caleb and Jess, you guys just stand up quickly. I see you standing. These are the guys that led Signal before, before I did. <laughs> And, uh, and now they are in, um, they're leading a church in the UK and they're on holiday here. And 
just want to honor you guys. Whatever passion and longing was in your heart for the Holy Spirit, we've caught. Thank you for um, passing that passion on for us. If there is a Sunday where the Spirit of God is not felt, where there isn't a prophetic contribution, where lives are not being dynamically touched by the Holy Spirit in the meeting, something went wrong that Sunday. It's our priority. It's what we're going after. It's not a bonus. It's not like, oh, cool, there was a, there was a splash of God's presence on that Sunday. Awesome. But next Sunday, we know what's going to happen. We shouldn't know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I planned my sermon, so I knew that was going to happen. You know, Steph planned her songs. She knew those. But there's spaces between, lots of spaces between. And we pray for the presence of God. And I ask you to not take for granted the presence of the Holy Spirit, to long for the presence. There definitely is a connection with hunger in our hearts and the outpoured spirit. Come to church hungry for the presence of God. And you're welcome to come to the prayer meeting. If you're not hungry, arrive at nine o'clock, go into that room, and you will be hungry for the Spirit because there's people there every Sunday asking God to pour out His Spirit upon us. Be part of that gang. Come along. Come, come pray. You haven't ever prayed in a prayer meeting before? Oh, come. Try it out. Maybe you're too shy to say the words. Just, just say amen to other people praying the prayer. Yes. You know the word amen means yes. Other person prays, you say yes, it's like you prayed it. They pray, they pray like this, this articulate prayer, and you're like, gee, that's a, that's a cool prayer. Yes, well, it's, you just prayed it too. We're a spirit church. And then number three, we're a community church. Acts chapter two, it says, these people come to faith, and it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to this, to this community of relationships, to this partnership of relationships and verse 46 they continued to meet together in the temple courts that's like big church they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts jesus said i mean the apostle paul says welcome each other as christ welcomes you i love that line they ate together with glad and sincere hearts glad they 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 shared each other's joys Sincere, they shared each other's struggles. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Some of us are married. It's so wonderful to have your person that you can weep with when they weep and rejoice with when they rejoice. But uh, probably half of us are not married. Not a problem. We have a community of people we can weep with when they weep and rejoice with, when they rejoice. And you know what happens when you are on top of the world and some people are rejoicing with you? It doubles your joys. And you know what happens when you're struggling and you've got some people who love you and stand with you in that struggle? It halves your sorrows. Community, building some relationships. If you've been in the city of Cape Town a long time, maybe you've already got some best friends. Well done. I mean, it's awesome to have some best friends. Relationships change. So I'm not saying you're going to find your best friend in a nightclub or a community group, but maybe you will. But even if you don't find your best friend, you'll find some friends that you can pray with. I've got tons of friends, but I don't tell them every week what I can, I'm asking them to pray for. They actually don't know my life because especially when you're busy, you see each other less and less. But a spiritual community of people that are, they've got their finger on the pulse of your life. 
And it's so important that we have some people that we get together, we encourage each other in the word, we discuss the word, we pray together, and we ask each other, hey, what can I pray for? And you say, well, and you, you share it, and they pray for you. And then next week they say, so what happened? It's just a very cool thing to have this in your life, to have people that you rejoice with, that, um, that to eat with in glad and sincere hearts. Jesus, the Jesus movement was built around tables. Read the Gospel of Luke and underline every time you see Jesus eating with people. You want to do Christianity right? Eat with people. Find some other Christ followers, eat with them. You're like, geez, I'm discovering spiritual community here. And you want to do mission right? Find some people far from God and eat with them. Open your homes to people. Bring them into your home. Uh, some of us got awesome homes. I mean, this church is, we, 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 if you come to one of the welcome nights, we tend to meet in one of two homes, one in Pinelands and one in Rosebank. And in the city, more homes will open up. And these, these homes are kind of as important as this venue right now. So if you want to get into community, the one thing you can do if you're a guy, please join us on a day and night away at Betty's Bay. Um, I thought to call it um, Boys at Betty's. <laughs> And uh, we're going to arrive on Saturday morning. <laughs> I didn't get approval from my wife. That was just my idea. <laughs> Judging by this feedback, we might drop the name. Okay. <laughs> so Saturday morning, 10th of February, we drive to Betty's Bay. We've got a few Betty's Bay homes. We might have to get all this chip in. We hang out together. We bride together, we go to the beach together, we'll have a session of some people sharing, praying together, and then we leave early Saturday morning, come back to church here, because um, Betty's Bay is not that far, especially when there's no traffic, so please come, and the way you can come is um, sign up at, through hello at signalchurch.coza. The other thing is I'm asking you, if you haven't yet come to a welcome night, to on the Monday the 12th of February, come to that welcome night. Um, basically, it's the best way to join Signal and to find out for sure that you want to join. So please let us know if you're going to come to that. And, and then the other thing, I'm speaking a lot about nightclubs. Basically, the way we do nightclubs in Signal is we have two 10-week runs in the year where we meet as nightclubs. What happens is a lot of these nightclubs meet for 10 weeks and then they really catch fire and they say, you know what, we're just going to keep on meeting. So some nightclubs are already starting up before that. But basically on the 21st of February, we're starting a 10-week run of nightclubs. We meet on Wednesday nights in homes and we meet all over the city. We've got one in Musenberg, one in Mowbray, we've got one in Pinelands, we've got one in Rondebosch, we've got one in the, two in the City Bowl, we've got one in Hart Bay, we've got... Uh, one in Claremont for parents of young children. We got one in Constantia, and um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and 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 I need to be honest with you. We've maxed out on a lot of these nightclubs. There's space in some of them, so we're hoping to start new nightclubs. We need to start another one quickly in Constantia, Bergfleet. We need another one in town, especially for families. We need one in Seapoint. I think we need in one in Milneton to Milkbos. We need one in the northern suburbs. I hope we can start one soon in Somerset West, and I think we should start an online group too for people who just you know, elsewhere. Um, but we have a shortage of leaders. Not a problem. God raises up leaders. When I joined two years ago, we only had one nightclub, so we're getting there. But usually we're playing catch up. 
Um, but I just want to drop the idea in the minds of those of you who love Jesus and who love people. Maybe you could be a nightclub leader. Maybe you can open up your home. Maybe somebody else will open up their home and you could lead the group. Um, if you're not part of the church yet, you do obviously need to come to the welcome night first. Um, but just dropping that idea in your mind. You can come chat to me or to one of the leaders. And then number four, we're not only a community church. We are a missional church. We're a missional church. In Acts chapter two, it says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what Peter says. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They were praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What we have is too good to keep to ourselves. You've got Jesus. You've got the Spirit. You've got the joy of community. You think you're going to keep it to yourself? It's just too good to keep to ourselves. Jesus says, go and make disciples, baptizing people. Of all nations, of all nations. And um, we are a church on a mission. To be honest, we're in the shallow end of mission. We're getting there. But I think, watch the space. What's this mission going to look like? I think it's going to be multifaceted. I think we're going to have some compassionate ministries that will rise up out of our church. We'll have more work-faith integration initiatives rising up out of our church. Uh, You know, uh, maybe more intentional evangelism, outreach things like Alpha, that, that could rise up. But already now, every Sunday is a great Sunday to invite your friends and family to come along to signal. What they will find will be some hopefully nice people. We're happy to see them. They will hear about Jesus and that they will hear about Jesus in the presence and the power of the Spirit. And that might do the job of waking them up to the wonder of it all. So we're a church on mission. Uh, one of the privileges we have as a church is that we have Andre, who, where are you, Andre? Just stand up over there. Andre is part of EMI ministry, which is a, um, a architectural international mission, and he's off to India for how many months, bro? Six months, eh? So he goes on these stints and he comes back, and uh, we are the community that He's still part of back at home. And when you're out there, it's good to know you've got a people that are thinking of you and missing you and are standing with you in prayer and support. So after this meeting, at the end of this meeting, it'd be great if some people can pray for Andre. Just please remind me. Um, Andre, we're proud of you. God, in the full authority of Jesus and the commendation of this community and, uh, and uh, build uh, you know, houses and mission stations. And what are you building in India, by the way? A mission hospital. Cool. What part of India? In where? Nepal. Nepal. Oh, wow. So not in Nepal. Where in Nepal? You don't know yet. Okay. Awesome. And uh, prepare for influx. This is what God has been telling us. God is going to add to our number daily those who are coming to faith. I, I don't know. We certainly haven't seen a person come to faith every day, but it's a picture of what can happen. It's a picture of God's ability to to draw people in. And and there's two kinds of mission. There's centrifugal mission, which is outward. And if you hold a child and you swing around in circles, centrifugal, the kid is going to fly across the garden if you let them go, as your wife will let you know. Hold them tight. Centrifugal mission, which is we're going out, like Andre. You're going out into your place of work. You're going out into your family. 
But there's also a centripetal mission where like, this, like, like gravity, something's getting pulled in. And I think that we're at an unusual centripetal stage as a church. It seems like there's a magnetic power at work and people are being drawn into our community with very little effort on our part. And what God is telling us as a leadership team is prepare for influx. And I'm not sure what that means. I mean, the one thing it obviously means is like we need more nightclubs. In terms of space, we've still got a little space, but we're starting to, we're close to running out. So pray for us as a leadership team as we figure out where we go from here. I mean, we hope to plant congregations in the future and plant you out on an adventure somewhere. But uh, so we're a missional church. So let me pull all of those together. We can just have that, that slide. We're a Jesus church. We're a spirit church. We're a community church. We're a missional church, albeit in a, I think in the shadow, in, a, in the early stages of mission. But if I can come back to our big idea, we're a Jesus church. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says to Simon Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. What's the rock? Catholics and Protestants can't agree on this one. Catholics say the rock is Peter, the Pope. That's the rock on which Jesus builds the church. There is a good point for it, because the name Peter is Petros, and the word, the word for rock is Petra. So you are Peter, and on this Petra, you are Petros, and on this Petra, I will build my, my church. The Catholics say, oh, Peter's being assigned as the first pope. The Protestants say, hang on, Petros is not the same as Petra. Petros means rock. Petra is like a bigger mass of rock. It's like Jesus is saying, you're not big enough to build the church on. We need a bigger rock. And then we remember what just happened before that verse. Peter has this revelation. Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, this has been known to you through supernatural revelation. Peter's just realized who Jesus is. And Jesus says, I'm gonna build my church on the rock of that revelation. And probably, I think the Protestants are right on this one because Paul picks up the idea in 1 Corinthians chapter three, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. Uh, Julie and I are hopefully going to Dubai this year to go to minister in a church. I haven't got to tell the leaders, by the way, it's just come open this week. So I still need to get their permission, but um, I hope you let me go. But in Dubai, if you've been before, you've got the Burj Khalifa, biggest building in the world. You know, when they started building the Burj, I had friends living in Dubai, they, they, they heard, they're starting to build the Burj. And then for a year, they saw nothing. What a disappointment, because the first year, they just built down foundation strong foundation can hold a, a big tower i we suspect that signal has got a very bright future for such a big future it needs a deep foundation jesus christ come next week let's let's start building a foundation in this church not start let's keep on building and let's build a foundation in our lives because jesus is not just a foundation for a church He's the foundation for a life. Can I ask you to stand up? Can we have the band back? Let's pray.
Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. I just wanna make some time now. You know, if you have to shoot off, if we're running over time, you, you can leave, but if you wanna stick around, we're not gonna hurry the ending of our meeting together. We wanna make some time for the Holy Spirit to move and also just for us to lift our voices up in prayer. It's like our voices are lifting up in song and the Spirit of, is coming down in power. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Come Holy Spirit, we pray.